This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout, and we begin every dugout by talking with the skip, Scott Service. It's the Scott Service Show, presented by Pizza Hut, with support from Mazda of Everett. Scott, we haven't had a chance to talk to you, obviously, since the Mets series. I was able to stay at home, watch the entire series over the weekend. It was phenomenal. I know there was a loss in there, but you guys dealt them their first series loss of the year. What were I just, I'm mostly curious about the fans. Skip, what were the fans like when you were there? Oh, it was electric uh, atmosphere. It really was. Uh, it was great. Um, you know, it's the first time that, that I had ever been to City Field. It's been a while since we played the Mets over there. So uh, getting an eye uh, feel for the ballpark and what it was like. But I thought the atmosphere was great. Uh, I thought our players responded very well. The games are very competitive. And uh, it got a little hairy there in the third game. But we were able to, to escape with the series win, um, which is great. You know, our guys played very well. Um, the at-bats were very competitive. I thought we pitched well for the most part. Um, and it was a good series. As far as your playing careers, what's what's maybe for you personally the most either hostile or fun or both? There can be an overlap. A hostile or fun environment you'd ever played in? Oh, gosh. Uh, good question. I think um, I played my whole career in the National League, and uh, <laughs> you know a lot of a good chunk of it was with the Cubs. So the, the Cubs-Cardinals uh, rivalry is real. Um, it's a little bit different. You know, it, it's Midwest. It's, uh, you know, back in the day, it was mcguire and sosa and being a part of, of those games were, were were pretty exciting pretty electric um you know that, that was probably the, the stands out more than anything else i played a little bit at the end of my career with the with the giants and the giants dodgers rivalry is another one that is very real so you get uh you get that you know different type of excitement electricity in the ballpark when you're in those type of games scott going back to uh city field for a second it is kind of strange to think that here we are in 2022 and the Mariners had never been there. Uh, when you guys got there, is it something where you really you did have to go over the ground rules and, and tell the guys, all right, look, this is a new ballpark. Here are some things to watch out for. Yeah, it's not so much the ground rules. Each ballpark plays a little bit differently. And um, I thought the ball carried very well there. It was a little warmer, um, even though you know the, it rained um, throughout the course of the second game there. But uh, you just get a, a vibe you know, of where the dugout is in relation to, in relationship to the home plate. You know, if we yell at the umpires, can they actually hear us? You know, things like that uh, play into it. And they don't at City Field. Oh. Uh, the, uh, the dugouts are a long ways away from home plate there. So, uh, you know, there's, there's different things like that that are fun to, to get a feel for when you get in the ballpark for the first time. Uh, the series against Toronto, still up for grabs. Granted, but mm-hmm. uh, but the uh, the opener obviously not exactly what you guys wanted. You had some moments though. You had bases loaded at one point, uh, pinch hitting Frazier, which was uh, really cool to see there. Some some momentum. Obviously, it didn't work out the way you guys wanted. But what'd you make of Chris Flexen's night? I thought Chris threw the ball really well. I thought it was maybe the best stuff that he's had. If you look at the combination of all his pitches and any of the outings he's had for us, I thought his changeup was outstanding last night and. He threw a lot of them to right-handed hitters, which is not really something he's done in the past. We've tried to encourage him to use that pitch more, and it really gets them off his fastball. I thought the command of his cutter was really good last night as well. He made a couple mistakes. Certainly the, the curveball he left up to Bichette and, and got a fat, Chapman got on a fastball up out over the plate. But other than that, I thought he threw the ball really well. 
Uh, unfortunately, we haven't helped out Flex much this year. We haven't scored many runs for him. And, uh, you know, when you're always in that, those tight games, battling every pitch, you know, you really don't have much room for error. And it's tough to pitch like that every time out. So hopefully we can turn the tide on that because I think he's thrown the ball much better the last few times out. Last night may be one of his best. Yeah, Scott, I know he's a veteran, but uh, after, like you said, uh, after a couple of these games where the run support just hasn't been there, do you have to maybe go tell him today, hey, keep your head up and, and keep the, the positive nature going? Or is he a guy that is able to handle those outings and, and really work his way out of it and say, you know what, you know, I, I pitched well today and I can only control what I can control? No, I think it's a good point. It's something I did right after the game last night is, is to make sure I, I had talked with him before he left the clubhouse because he did his job, in my opinion. You know, his job, any starting pitcher, to keep us in the ball game, give us a chance to win. You know, unfortunately, we did not get much offense going last night. We had some chances a little bit later in the game. But uh, uh, you can only control so much in this game. And, and, you know, with the pitcher out there on the mound, you want to give your team a chance to win. He's doing that. Uh, we just got to help him out a little bit more. And and I don't care if you've been in this game, you know, you're a young player, a uh, veteran player, you know, you're, you get down, you're disappointed when you, when you, Tim doesn't win, win the game when you're in there. So I just want to give him a pat on the back. If he keeps doing that, we'll be just fine the rest of the way with him. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it from the point of view of a player, obviously not having played, you're a fan and you look at a stat line and you're like, Oh, Chris, you had a great night. But I was listening to a uh, post game and um, they were talking about the feeling of, uh, being a pitcher and walking back. And when you've had a great game, you kind of expect people to be excited, right? Because usually you're winning. And if people are kind of hanging their heads and feeling down, it's like, oh, man, I <laughs> I felt good about my night, but I don't get the reward of it. Is there, um, I mean, do you ever address that part of it? Or or do you find that guys can kind of, to, to Lefko's question, kind of pick each other up a little bit? Yeah, no, I... I pretty sensitive to that. I think having played as, as long as I did and understanding how players' minds think and, and they want to contribute to winning baseball games. And, and uh, you know, I also talk a lot about, you know, control what you can control. And, you know, from the offensive side, obviously the pitcher has no control on what we do offensively. And, and do we create, you know, a little bit of wiggle room for him or give him a, a two or three run lead early in the ball game so we can settle in and really work through some things. And then we haven't been able to do that for flex. So, want to make sure he's he's in a good spot mentally uh and i like i said i thought he, he threw the ball really well last night he did his job um and that's all you can do you know you give your team a chance and then he certainly gave us a chance to win the game and we just didn't help out so you know flex is a good competitor uh, so we love about him he continues to work and he'll focus on his next outing that's what pitchers do they <laughs> give him 24 hours to get through the last one you kind of debrief okay what can i do better where can i execute a little bit a little bit more efficiently. He does that along with all of our guys, but he'll be ready next time he gets the ball. Um, when you look at a game like last night where, you know, you guys just just didn't have your best night, uh, you know, coming off a series win, it just didn't work out. Do you, Scott, look at it for this year specifically and think, hey, it wasn't our night, it's a long season, it was an off night? Or is there anything you look at it and you say, we can't keep doing this? Yeah, it takes me a little while, I think, uh, to get over the game. <laughs> I'm human. I believe it. Uh, yeah, you know, you're like, gosh, you know, we we should have done more. The day before, we bang out 16 hits. We score eight runs. You're thinking, okay, we're in a really good spot against, a, obviously, a good Mets team, and, and you come in here and uh, into Toronto. And Toronto has been in scuffling a little bit, swinging the bats as well. Uh, but knowing that we're up against pretty good pitching in this series. You know, we know Yusei Kikuchi very well, but we'll get Berrios tonight and Gaussman tomorrow. So, 
you know, the, the games, you know, they're going to be tight. There's not going to be a ton of runs scored. Uh, and you have to execute when you, when you get chances. We just didn't get a whole lot going against Yusei uh, last night. And, uh, you know, we, we had traffic in a couple innings, but weren't able to, to, to cash in on a big two-out hit or anything like that uh, to, to put him in, in more stressful situations. But, um, you know, I think after, you know, you get four or five hours removed from the game, you try to take a more uh, broad approach at it. We have done some good things on this road trip. Uh, last night was not our best night, but you have to wash it away. We play so many games. I think if you let one game hang on too long, it can really affect you. And it's one thing about our team. I think we have pretty short memory. We move on to the next day, and, and that's what you have to do in such a long season. Yeah, Scott, I was going to ask you about that because the nature of what we do is we have to Put a lot of focus on every single outcome, every single Especially game. Especially with football. And sk- you're a football fan, so as you know, it's like you, you leave every week and you're like, let's talk about everything that went wrong. But, yeah. With the- yeah, and to, to, that, to that point, you know, for every, basically, every 10 baseball games is one football game. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> if, you took, if you took our season in 10-game increments, which is what we're on this road trip, you have to look at it. We're 2-2 two and two on this road trip. We're not even to halftime yet. If you want to look at it that way, and you know how the first half go, you know it's probably a seven-seven game. Yeah, in football terms, is how I would look at how the first four games of this trip has gone. It's a good way to look at it. Okay, yeah. So keeping it more in the the football term, but if you take a look at more of the the recent stretch for a guy like Jesse Winker, and it was easy for us early on to focus on, well, he's just not getting the luck. He's had terrible luck. He he can't find what we expected out of him. But over this last chunk, over this last stretch. Are we seeing the Jesse Winker that you guys expected when you brought him in here? We're certainly seeing more of what he's capable of doing. No question about it. Um, he's in the ball harder. Big home run in New York the other night. Three run homer against a lefty. Um, and I think he swung the bat really well here. Probably the last five or six days, it's, it's gotten better. So um, he's hitting the ball harder again. Um, he's hitting the ball out front. He's pulling the ball with authority, which is really when he's at his best. Uh, I have to give him a ton of credit. You know, he hasn't had great track record against left-handed pitching and he's he's hanging in there against the lefties he's actually doing quite well against them which is great for him bodes well for him throughout the remainder of the season and us but uh he's got a lot of juice in that bat and once we get it going you're going to see home runs doubles the really good competitive at bat so uh, i like the way that he is moving right now and then how it's trending for him um looks more of kind of what he's used to seeing out of himself and I know he was a little disappointed early on. He didn't have a whole lot of things go his way, but you kind of create your own luck and you have to stay in a good mental frame, you know, mind frame um, that think good things are going to happen. And once in a while you have a couple of good games, it starts to turn and you feel like you're going to get a hit every time up there. And that's how I feel when Jesse walks to the plate. Now you're going to get a hit every time he walks to the plate and it can turn really quickly. And that's what we're seeing. You know, we also saw some nice interactions he had with the Mets fans. Certainly brought out his personality. It. it was it was fun to see uh, when guys do that, like w- with Winker and the fans, or Paul Seawald certainly showing a little bit of emotion after those outs he recorded over the weekend against the Mets. Do you embrace that? Do you think it gives these guys a little bit of an edge if they can bring out that side of their personality? Well, if it brings out the best of them, I certainly do. Um, you know, I, I think you have to, to to walk the talk, so to speak. I, I talk all the time about you know, be who you are. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing for players to show emotions as long as they're not showing up the other team. And I don't think Jesse was doing that uh, in any means. And he's got history there with the fans in New York. For whatever it is, I thought he played great. And maybe we should ship in about 20 of those thousand fans into our ballpark once in a while and give him a hard time because uh, he performed great. 
You know, he, he loved the attention and he was certainly getting it and uh, he didn't back away from it. But, uh, you know, all players, anytime you go back to a situation like that with Paul Sewell, you're, you're with the team and maybe didn't go the way you would hoped or, or should have gone in your mind, you get a chance to, to go back and compete against him. I went through that as a player. Uh, it's always a little bit edgy. Um, you want to perform well when you do. You know, some guys like to show some emotion and that's who they are and I don't have a problem with it. I like the idea of just like, all right, Mariners fans, listen up. We're all going to boo Jesse. <laughs> that is going to be the trick. I don't think that would go great in our home park. Skip, I got it. He's going to go four for four. Um, hey, I was, you, were, you mentioned having those conversations with guys, and over the course of this conversation, obviously I, I like talking about the series you just had and kind of heading into this one, but since we talk to you every week, sometimes I like exploring things kind of in a broader context, and you've talked about managing this this young ball club. Um, we've obviously talked to other head coaches, right? Pete Carroll about how they do things. And do you ever, do you have like a managing uh, coaching philosophy that you always get back to? Do you read up on things or do you share a lot of your experience? What's your own personal approach? And do you find that that's changed over time here in Seattle? Um, uh, good question, Stacey. I, I think, you know, we all, I know how I am. I, 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 I like growing. I like evolving. I think, you know, you certainly are going to lean on your own experiences, you know, as a player and the things that resonated with you as a player. Uh, but also you, you pick up things from others, you know, over time and, and how to, to deal with situations, how to communicate with different players. You cannot communicate with all players the same way. It doesn't work. Uh, I think that's, and no matter if you're coaching, if you're running a business, you're dealing with different employees. These guys have so much going on in their lives you know, away from work or away from the game and trying to, you know, establish relationships with those guys. And, and again, like I said, knowing how to communicate with them, each one individually is really the key to my job is how I would look at it. I don't think Pete Carroll, anybody else would disagree with me. It's really what separates, you know, good leadership from, from not so good leadership. So that takes time. Uh, it takes challenges. There's challenges along the way and it takes patience. So, uh, you know, I, I love getting the opportunity to go to work every day and not just 26 players, but you have coaching staff and people around the team and you're trying to touch so many different people every day. You know, it, it is challenging, but um, I, I love the job. I, I like where our team is at. Um, we, we're striving for more consistency. I think that's where we're at at this yeah. point in the season. And I talked early in the year about, you know, we got to get to the the 40 game mark, you kind of find out where you're at. We're getting very close to the 40 game mark and, and we've had some bright spots early in the year. We've had some down <laughs> periods where we haven't done much. Um, and I think the biggest thing for this team, you know, the consistency, who are we? Um, I think when we're playing our best baseball, we're, we're, we're doing a nice job defensively. We're controlling the strike zone on the mound. Our at bats, we might not, we're not maybe not score five or six runs every night, but the quality of the at bats is there up and down the lineup. Um, Cause it, when it is there, and we're clicking. We compete and win and beat anybody in this league consistently. I truly believe that. Mm. Just we haven't gotten there consistently yet. So that's what we're striving for right now. But, uh, you know, it, it, it starts with the relationships you have with players and, and being able to relate uh, to them in, in different ways and different styles. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm trying to learn and grow all the time. I think we all should be. All right, Skip, we kept you a little late today, but we just had such a good time talking to you. You've been very gracious with your time. Thank you. We appreciate it. We know that uh, the no start of the series maybe wasn't uh, exactly what you wanted, but go get them. you got a couple more games here against Toronto, and we're rooting for you guys. Sounds, sounds good. I appreciate your time today. Thanks. See ya. All right, again, the Scott Service Show is presented by Pizza Hut.
with support from Mazda of Everett. Let's take a look around MLB, figure out some MLB headlines here. Uh, We're going to start with a scary-looking injury for Houston Astros pitcher Jake Odorizzi. He was carted off the field yesterday in Boston. His left leg gave out while running to cover first base in the bottom of the fifth inning. He has two starts versus the Mariners this year. Most recent was May 2nd, six and two-thirds inning pitch, four hits allowed, uh, three strikeouts, walked one. Well, the, the crazy thing about it is you never really get a good camera angle on Odorizzi in terms yeah. of when he's when he is going and you see him start to fall. That's the next part of where the camera catches him. Um, and so you can't really tell what happens to him. But obviously, anytime he is having to be carted off, that's not a good sign at all. And so uh, we are obviously anxiously awaiting to hear what happened to him. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be very positive, which... You know, uh, the Houston Astros do a good job of finding the next man up, but certainly Odorizzi was an important piece to their starting rotation. There's no update yet on the MRI, though the team did at least provide an update on a roster move. They placed him on the 15-day IL, that breaking 15 minutes ago. Right now they just have it uh, classified as lower left leg discomfort. Mm. They've since recalled someone to take his place on the active roster, Seth Martinez. Uh, So he underwent an MRI to see what happened. They haven't the Astros. They haven't yet provided an update. Okay. So right now, just 15-day IL. For all you Astros fans out there, I know many of you desperately checking. Uh, but but honestly, all, all team rivalries aside, wishing Jake the best there. Uh, next story here in MLB headlines is an ESPN feature. This is a really, really cool story. So this 11-year-old Yankees fan, don't hold it against him, he's a child, Elijah Blankenberg, <laughs> he went to uh, to spring training. He brought. Uh, he's a he's a collector of baseball cards and memorabilia. Huge collector of baseball mm-hmm. cards to where he was like going through, uh, making sure he brought exactly the right ones to spring training. Um, but he went to this game on March nineteenth and he lost the cards. They're somewhere. I don't know if someone took them. I don't know if they fell out and someone scooped them up. But his mom. He was devastated. Uh, his mom put out a Facebook post at the time. Hey, you know, we were out at spring training on this day. If anyone sees this binder full of cards, it's my son's. He's really upset. Let me know if you find it. They didn't end up finding it. But what did happen is that that post then went viral. Mm. And Elijah got a ton of support, not just from, uh, you know, random people, but yeah. from, like, players and uh, in teams. So he had a bunch of uh, letters written in from people that are also avid baseball uh, collectors and saying, you know, like, hey, here's my favorite baseball card. I want you to restart your collection because it takes a long time to build that up. This kid's probably been building this collection since he was a tiny, tiny right. little kid. Yes. Um, and it means a lot to him. So it was so sweet with fellow baseball fans and fellow collectors sending him bits of their own memorabilia saying, here's to help you build this back. One of them was this guy who in 1968 was, I know it's a wild story, in 1968, when he <laughs> was crazy. 10 years old, was part of a nearly fatal shark attack. Okay? This is what? Really, This is related. Okay. He was part of a nearly fatal shark attack. And in order to, I guess, kind of aid his morale and his recovery, mm-hmm. the Yankees sent him a ball signed by the biggest names you can think of. I'm, I'm, I'm like... Think of like the biggest stars for the Yankees. Sent him a ball, okay, and uh, and he had it to help him get through the next several decades of his life. Not mm-hmm. only aid in his recovery from that, but you know, like to get through marriage and to get through like a divorce and all this other stuff. And so he was interviewed for this article and was like, he sent the ball to young Elijah, being like, this helped me through decades of my life, and I want this person to have it. Wow, that ball is probably worth a lot of money, but. Wow. 
I digress. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the Baltimore Orioles sent him a uh, third base signed by the entire team. DJ LeMayhew sent him a personalized ball. So, anyways, I'm thinking that Elijah. Cool. I'm thinking Elijah is really cool with his new collection. Right yeah, now. I would say so. I mean, really cool. Uh, you know, for everyone in the baseball community, right? It, it, professional organizations, individual players, and also just other baseball fans. I mean, what an unbelievable story of people stepping up and and doing good things, right? Doing good deeds and. Uh, man, uh, we need some heartwarming stories like that every now and then, and uh, yeah, that's 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 incredible. It's a really cool story. The full feature is up on ESPN right on the front page, and uh, I know many Mariners fans are not Yankees fans, but this will make you like the Yankees just a little bit, I think. Tiny bit. Just I, I don't feel good about bit. it, but just a tiny bit. Uh, I don't like the Yankees. I like the kid. Yeah. That's about, what it is. There we go. I'm glad that teams supported got, him, but yes. nah, I still don't like the Yankees. Yeah, let, let's, be, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. We can compartmentalize right. who we actually like in this story. Good for the general baseball world. <laughs> and that kid, then nah, you don't have to like the Yankees. Uh, related, is there your favorite player on a team that you absolutely despise, where if that player was on any other team, you would absolutely love rooting for him? Um, I would say Aaron Judge is one of them. I would say Shohei Otani, but he... Burned the Mariners, and I feel... I mean, he didn't burn the Mariners, but you know what I mean. He yeah. picked the Angels over you the Mariners. You have a hard time rooting for him sometimes. I do, because of that, but gosh, he's so fun to watch. I, I don't know. Is, is there anybody in baseball Man, like I that? I kind of like George Springer. Yeah, do I you? think I like that George that's Springer. Because ah. he's kind of got like the Richard Sherman thing where if you play against him, you think he's kind of annoying. He talks trash, or he's just abrasive and uh-huh. rash. Uh, he's also just a really good player. But uh, when you... Uh, if he's playing for you, uh-huh. or not for Toronto or Houston, uh-huh. uh, he's pretty easy to root. <laughs> just, uh, just those other factors. Next story here: Mariners lineup is out. Adam Frazier back batting leadoff. Thank Julio goodness. hitting six. Cal Raleigh catching and batting ninth. You know what I really don't like uh, is when we el- is when we elect to have Toro hit over. Adam Frazier at the, well, at the beginning. I think Stacy, don't uh, tell me about mm, the splits. I'm making no excuses. She's, I'm making no excuses. Hey, Lefko, I just want you I'm to know context. she's going to ignore me no, and tell me about I'm the splits. I'm not giving you splits. All I'm saying, mm-hmm. all I'm saying is Brandon Gustafson, a very nice young man, uh-huh. uh, said that Toro has technically performed a little bit better than Frazier against left-handed starters. Uh they're not against left-handed relievers. So you 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 just gave me splits, and you're trying to I throw Brandon Gustafson under splits. the bus. How dare you? That's what Brandon said. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I I watched it thinking, "Where's Adam Frazier? I, I Adam Frazier for life. <sighs> Adam just, Frazier lead off forever. I Adam Frazier lead off club. Uh, party of one. One thing. Just one thing. Just even though the splits are there, there's room for Adam Frazier to improve those splits. All right. A- am I right? Maybe. I refuse to acknowledge when you are. You're okay. listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Gary Hill Jr. joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout. All baseball, 1 to 2 p.m. Jake, do you want to – you go ahead. You go ahead. You introduce our guest. No, I I insist. It's fine. I insist. You took my shot. No, you I was just it. excited that we have the one and only Gary Hill Jr. going to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Gary, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you, too? 
It's great to be on again. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're doing fantastic now that you're you're joining with us. And, and Gary, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> and don't what, believe it, Gary. You, no, you have to believe it. But here's the thing, Gary. We are on a mission. Okay, we are on uh-huh. a mission right now, seeking answers. And Stacy, do you want to do you want to tell Gary what what we're seeking for? The answer that we are dying to know. Oh, like how do the Mariners get more offense more consistently? Yeah, yeah, Gary. We thought maybe you'd have like an easy answer. I'll score more runs. Okay. Okay. Is that well, He is, is Gary Hill. <laughs> Perfect. Great to be with you. Thank you. This was fun. No, Gary, Gary, it's uh, it's actually we're really glad that we are uh, having you on for this because um, we we we're coming off a high, right? We're coming off a high in hits and in performance and an offensive explosion. Everything looks great and then you you kind of have a bummer game afterward and it's not the first time it's happened. Uh, they haven't been able to have that run of offense very consistently. Is this just the wave of the season? Is it something to do with the young ball club? Is there something in particular with this team that they can fix? What do you see? Uh, it's, a, it's a really great question. I think there's a few things that are playing into this stretch. Um, consistency is the right word, inconsistent. They, they've been inconsistent, and not only, I think, offensively, just kind of overall when you look at this recent stretch. And the Mets series was awesome. I mean, taking – Two of three from there was great. But even in that series, it could have been a sweep if it weren't for, you know, some feeling mistakes, a base running mistake along the way. And we've kind of seen that from time to time. We've seen uh, the offense has been a wild ride from time to time. We've seen some uh, uh, pitching has been up and down. So just overall finding that consistency has been a struggle so far this season. And, you know, the offense, one thing that I would encourage Mariner fans to think about and, it can be if you only watch the Mariners every day, it, it can be tough. But there's also a bigger context to this season as well. And it has been an offensive struggle for everybody so far this season. Yeah. And the Blue Jays are a great example. They are loaded when you look at their offense. And they just went through a two week stretch that was really rough. Offense is down. And so, in the context, the Mariners. Offense overall has still been above average in comparison to the rest of baseball. It's just this offensive environment has changed quite a bit from last year. The ball, I think, is an obvious uh, one of the obvious reasons why, and the pitching as well. It just continues to be dominant. So there's a few things going on, and I think that is going to continue through the rest of the season. And I think every team is going to have their struggles from time to time. Every team is going to get shut down from time to time, and every team is going to have struggles from time to time offensively. I think that's something we're going to see the rest of the way this year. Yeah, it does seem that way, which then, Gary, puts a, a big premium on your pitching and having your yes. pitching really you know, uh, come up big for you. You feel bad for flexing because overall you felt like he had a pretty solid night. Uh, yesterday, but I want to go back to the performance of Marco Gonzalez against Max Scherzer. I mean, I'm sure there's very few people that really, truly predicted that Scherzer and Gonzalez, that matchup was going to be a toe-to-toe matchup uh, and be as good as it was. What did you see from Marco that was a a big difference for him over the last couple starts? He was so good that day. That was so fun because you're right. You're facing Scherzer. You know you're going to have a tough time putting runs on the board. And I think your larger point, yeah, their pitching is going to have to match the other pitching, and that's tougher uh, to pull off on certain nights, especially when you're facing Scherzer. But Marco was was excellent. He was mixing his pitches. He was hitting his spots. It was vintage Marco. We saw him at his very best against a really good offensive team and a team that makes a, a, kind of, a ton of contact along the way. But he just 
forced a lot of weak contact, which was great. They didn't hit him very hard at all. And, you know, especially they get a run in the first inning, and already you know Scherzer's on the mound. You're like, oh, man, you know, a couple more, and this thing could get out of hand quickly. But uh, he really locked it in, and that was such a great game. And really one of the more entertaining regular season series I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, just – the way the teams went back and forth, all these one-run games. Yeah, the Seawall, the Revenge Tour, which was great. You had Winker <laughs> with the crowd. I mean, the whole thing was awesome. I loved every second of it. So fun. It was great. I mean, I stood up for the final two outs, for yes. Castillo's final two strikeouts. I was standing up with my hands under my armpits, <laughs> just pacing <laughs> in my living room. Like, yes. what am I doing? It's May. It's mid-May, and I'm watching this like it's game seven right now. But it's just – it was a fun series. I agree with yeah. you. Um I wanted to uh, to talk a bit about uh, some of the contributors we're seeing improvements from. So specifically, mm-hmm. I was looking at Winker. I don't want to say improvements from Julio. He's young. He's learning. It's not like, you know, he has a slump. He's a rookie. Uh, but those two seem to have really picked up steam. What are you seeing from them? Oh, uh, man, I think Julio has been so good this year. And I talked about kind of looking at the Mariners in the overall offensive contact uh, context. Look at Julio in a rookie context especially because yeah. – rookies hitting is really hard we all know that and especially right now for rookies you look at kind of i was looking at the overall rookie slash line this season if you put them all in a bucket and as a group they're hitting 218 with an on-base percentage below 300 so when you think about what julio has done for this year especially at his age it is really remarkable. He is doing some really special things. And the numbers now are starting to follow what we saw early because he's really hit the ball hard all season long, which is a great sign. He's had one of the highest hard hit percentages in all of baseball. And when you look at the other guys on that list, it's a who's who. When you're talking you know, top 25, top 30 of hard hit percentage, he's one of the best in baseball at that. And he is surrounded by the other great players of the game in that category. Then you throw in the defense in center field. He's been one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. I didn't know what to expect. He has blown me away with how he's played out there, his speed, everything else. I don't think you could ask for anything more than what he's given so far this year. And Winker has been excellent lately, too. Uh, the Rocket the other night against the Mets was phenomenal. He's been hitting the ball hard, which is great, still getting on base. I think the overall numbers would look better, too, had he had a little more luck early mm-hmm. on in the season. Yeah. But uh, he's been more like the guy we were expecting the last couple of weeks, which is great because that's what they need. They need to get the lineup longer. Gary, what do you wish was more consistent, hitting with runners in scoring position or home runs? Home runs, man. Give me home runs. I want homers, long balls. <laughs> I want them all the time. I mean, it, the reality is, in the in this game right now, it is really hard to string together hits. Yeah. It's hard to say, yeah, go out and get two, three, four hits an inning to put together a big inning. It's more likely that you're going to get a hit, a walk, and a three-run home run to get some runs. So I, I just think that's the reality of the way the game's played right now. When you look at the stuff that pitchers are offering – I mean, Scherzer's a great example. And the Mariners have faced a ton of guys like this. Uh, they've already faced, uh, last I looked, nine guys in the top 20 in ERA, or nine games against guys in the top 20 in ERA. So they've faced you know, the Verlanders of the world. It's just tough to ask an offense to string together a ton of hits against guys like that. So I think you need damage along the way. 
So give me damage. That's what I want. Damage. He is Gary Hill Jr., the Mariners Radio Network, calling for damage in the rest of this series and the rest of the season for for that matter. Gary, uh, I'm already getting excited for first pitch less than three hours away, hearing the, the noise of the stadium behind you as they do rehearsals for everything. I'm, I'm already really excited. So uh, it has been a pleasure, as always, talking to you. And let's hope this one's a little better for the Mariners. Yeah, hopefully you'll be pacing around late in the game as well. Hopefully <laughs> Fingers we'll crossed. That. Yes, that's what we want. That's the plan. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks, Gary. You're listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Wrapping things up with a preview of what's left of this series with Shannon Dreyer next. The Dugout, every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. It is the Dugout on Seattle Sports Station, all Mariners, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. every single Tuesday. Joining us now, Shannon Dreyer. Uh, as a reminder, our conversation with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer is powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. Shannon, how's it going? It's going. How are you guys? Uh, we are well. We were just talking uh, with Gary Hill Jr. about the Mariners' offense and how they can get going. And uh, I got to say, I was listening to you on the post-game show yesterday, and it was fitting your analysis for this game in particular, uh, given Flexen's start and the lack of offense. You mentioned, look, a lot of people are pointing to the Mariners' offense, and I get why they're doing it, but of concern has also been the bullpen not being as consistent as it was. How do you kind of uh, look at those two phases of uh, the Mariners right now, and is there one you see getting better sooner? Yeah, you know, I'm optimistic about the hitters, and I know that sounds strange in what we have seen, but you've got to take into consideration what the rest of the league is doing right now and take into consideration. I know nobody wants to hear it, but it's harder to hit than it has ever been harder to hit before. And a lot of it is determined on who you're facing. And there are just a lot more guys on teams. It used to be that uh, for a hitter, you know, you know it's going to be a tough day when you go against the number one of a team. Number two is usually pretty good. And then three, four, five, you might have a chance. Or you definitely have a chance at four and five. Well, nowadays... There are pitching rotations that are stacked one through five, and it can be a series, and it can be a series of series, and it's just you don't get the breaks that you used to get right now. And I think a lot of we're seeing with this team is they are facing some very good pitching, and they will face some pitching that's a little bit more on the subpar side at some point. They are in a very tough stretch right now, and we know that. And their their stretch has been tough from the start, and it's not just the teams that they are facing. It's the three trips to the East Coast right out of the gates. It's going to get easier for them. They're going to have a lot to make up for. They're really going to have to turn it on at that point to make up for a lot of these losses. But that should suit these hitters better. You know you've got some established hitters in this lineup. You've got a very up-and-coming hitter in Julio Rodriguez. So I, I think that that is going to even out. And you look at other teams like, you know, this Toronto Blue Jays. All you could do is talk about their offense last year. And they their WRC Plus has done nothing but decline since the start of the season. Last week it was like 63 for the week. You don't expect this team to not hit. They lost 9 out of 12. They ran into a lot of good pitching. The bullpen is what makes me a little bit nervous mm-hmm. because you're talking about personnel there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they took, you know, huge hits when they lost Casey Sadler at the beginning of the year. We have never seen uh, Ken Giles, of course. Andres Munoz, we know he has the stuff, but now that you get him in front of you and you get him in games, you realize he's very young, very inexperienced, doesn't have a lot of innings in the game, and that's not going to be somebody that you throw into the high-leverage situations right now. And when you look at the bullpen and who Scott Service has to go to outside of Paul Seawald, uh, it's, it's a 
it's a tough one. Penn Murphy, who was up the first time, they never even pitched. Now he's somebody that they are leaning on, a career minor leaguer. Uh, same with Danny Young, who's in the bullpen right now. Masevich has been hot and cold, although it, where they're at right now, that is somebody that you have to kind of cross your fingers on and depend on more. Steckenrider has not been the same Steckenrider that we saw last year. So there are a lot of holes in this bullpen. And I, I don't, it's unlike last year when you look down to the minors, you saw players that you thought were going to help. Eric Swanson is out right now. That's going to help. If Giles ever does come back, that's going to help. If Diego Castillo takes a turn off of that brilliant performance in New York, that's going to help. But there are far more question marks on the relief side. And I think you see it play out night and night, night in and night out, and how he's using that pen and just trying to find that spot where Seawald can be the most effective. So that has me concerned. Yeah, that's a great point, Shannon, in regards to personnel versus trends, right? Sometimes you can get caught up in trends of, players are are cold and then they're able to turn things around and and sometimes it takes longer than you want and and one of those players is obviously jesse winker and now he's on a seven game hitting streak uh still would love to see you know him contribute with the rbis but you started to see that you know happen in the mets series what should fans feel or think about jesse winker at this point and what should the optimism be I think it's fair to be optimistic. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about the RBIs because that's a function of what's going on ahead of him for the most part. Of course, you know, if you do want to look at what is lot run what his numbers are with runners in scoring position that's that's a different case but uh, i think that he is gaining confidence right now which helps because he's in that position when you're a new player that goes to a new team uh, there's a pressure that you put on yourself and there's no way of not doing it you want to impress you know what your numbers were before and he he and eugenio suarez came over here just thrilled to be on a team with a chance to compete and want to be very much a part of that so there's that but where the optimism for me comes from is is that they did let him go in the first month, which is what you do with a veteran hitter. And, and now they're, they're kind of tackling some other things, which I think are helping. But in the process, what we're seeing right now is he's hitting 300 against lefties. So, you know, if he can come out of this with a significant new trick and that he can hit right-handers, he was, you know, coming into this year, one of the best right-handed, one of the best hitters against right-handed pitching in all of baseball. The end. If he can do that, if he can get back to that, and that's been there, and if he can add some left-handed to that, you've got a very, very good player. And so far, you know, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to be able to get back to that. And I think that he's making steps in progress against the lefties. You know, there are a lot of people who thought the Mariners would largely platoon him. The Mariners thought he could hit left-handed. Well, he can. Now you just got to get him hitting the right-handers as well. Shannon, very quickly, last question here. Matchup tonight between Logan Gilbert and Jose Barrios. Uh, maybe just a quick, quick key to the game for Logan. Uh, don't walk batters. Throw strikes. Got it. His stuff Nailed is it. very good. It's as good as it's been all year. Just go after him and keep command. Don't have that one bad inning or that one bad sequence. I know that Logan is an avid listener of Jake and Stacy and also the dugout, so I'm, <laughs> I know he took that to heart. She is Shannon Dreyer, Mariners insider for Seattle Sports. Shannon, thanks so much. Can I plug one thing really quickly? Absolutely. Coming up on the pregame show, I talked with Eugenio Suarez, and if you were watching the game last night, you might have caught him singing along with the walk-up music of one of the Toronto Blue Jays. We get into that and his karaoke choices. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. You guys heard that. That starts at 3 p.m. Thanks so much, Shannon. All right.
Thanks, Shannon. All right. You got game two of this three-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Logan Gilbert gets the start. First pitch is at 4.07 p.m. You heard Shannon Dreyer, Mariners insider. That pregame show starts at 3. She's got a fun interview coming up with Eugenio Suarez. And uh, let's hope they can get going to be fun. Let's hope they can get a bit more offense going, facing a tough part of the rotation. But uh, – We'll see. This is a team that's a little bit hard to predict on offense. There's could no be question the night. about it that. It could be a night that they go and get like 10 hits, 8 runs. Who knows? Well, I mean, uh, I or think, they could struggle. I think the big thing for them is if they can go 500 on this, on this road trip. As we've right. as we said the entire time, if they can go 500, then they're going to be in great shape. So you'd love to see them battle back. You'd love to see them be able to bounce back and have a chance to win the series come tomorrow. He is Jay Keeps. I am Stacey Ross. This has been The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Wyman and Bob comes up next.